Hey, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. Y'all, this semester is flying by. I cannot believe it's already Thanksgiving. But we have just sort of a special one-off episode this week where we're going to talk about another woman in the Bible. That was one of our most popular series from last semester. And so we just wanted to talk to you about a really amazing woman named Deborah. Hey, guys. Hey, Anna. Hey. It's so good to hear your voice. It's really been a while since we recorded a podcast like this. Yeah, it's true. We've had some fun guest speakers at our worship nights that have been yeah. featured on the podcast, which has been so awesome. But yeah, we haven't recorded a, a conversation podcast in a long time. I know. Um, speaking of the worship nights, if you guys were able to attend and you want to kind of revisit the talk from that night, you can go back for the past four weeks in the podcast have been us basically playing what we recorded those nights. And if you didn't get to make it, then you should go back and listen because Mm -hmm. each one of the talks were different. Anna gave two different talks. Um, My Bible study co-leader, Audrey, gave a talk on the prodigal son. And then our friend Caroline gave a talk about like owning and walking in your identity in Christ. And Mm so it was really great. So please go back, visit the podcast homepage and like check out kind of the different ones that you might want to listen to. And then also share them with friends because it helps us a lot when you guys share them. Yeah, definitely. Why not share with a friend? Sometimes that's a way of caring for each other. So true. Um, So last semester we did a podcast series called Women in the Bible that... We were basically just familiarizing ourselves with stories of really awesome women, obviously, in the Bible. (laughs) Um, And it went over really well. It was one of our most listened to series, and we had talked about revisiting it. And so since we had one week between posting all the worship night talks and Thanksgiving and then Advent, we decided to revisit our Women of the Bible series for this one special woman's story. So we're super pumped to talk to y'all about Deborah this week. You may not have heard of her, so let me give you a little background. She's in the Old Testament. She was the only recorded female judge. And in just a minute, we're going to tell you like what a judge was and like kind of the purpose they served. But I also noticed that, I don't know if you noticed this, Anna, but at the end of the story, there's another woman yeah. that comes in. So we're also going to talk about JL. J-A-E-L, jail. (laughs) I don't know how we want to say it, but um, she's awesome too. This is like a little bit of a gruesome story. It's very Old Testament, but I am excited to share it with y'all because I feel like there are several takeaways that are, they both tell us a lot about God, but they also like challenge us in our walk with him. We'll explain like a little bit more context after we read it, but first let's set the scene. Okay, so we're going to read... from the book of Judges, and this is chapter 4, it's verses 1 through 10. So it says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. After Ehud died, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Cana, he reigned in Hazor. Y'all, this is the Old Testament, and there's a lot of names in here. So we have Israel again did what was evil inside the Lord. The Lord sold them into the hands of the king of Cana. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Haroshith Hagonim. 
He lived in some place that we the, don't know. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. For he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Leptoth, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ram and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came out to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, and meet you by the river of Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hands. Brock said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh, and Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that is a lot, and I pretty much half of that was just me trying to pronounce the names and the places. So if you're ever in a Bible study and you're like, I don't want to read because I don't know how to pronounce the names, just know none of us really do. It's yes, all we're there gamble. with you. Um, really, the point here is... Yeah, give us a little summary. Um, so this is about halfway through the story. We're going to pause. Basically, the whole entire book of Judges is a story mm-hmm. of Israel disobeying and declining like crying out to God for help, yeah. him rescuing them by sending a judge that gives them basically like discernment and like helps guide them. And then they are rescued and they go through a period of peace and then they decline again. Specifically, it's usually over like idolatry. Mm-hmm. They find these other things to live for and these other things to give glory instead of God and they stop living in God's way. And part of the reason God gave them judges was because the people, all of the people around them had Kings and they really wanted a King. Yes. And so they were asking God to give them a King, which is why it's so important when Jesus comes and he is King of the Jews, but they like so desperately wanted a King and God was like, no, you don't, you don't actually want a king because you don't understand that a king, that type of king is oppressive and doesn't actually love the people. Right. And so instead of kings, he gave them judges. The people had made it into the promised land mm-hmm. and they started going on this kind of up and down journey. And one thing I want to point out is that it's easy to look at the Israelites, like when we study the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and judge them mm-hmm. because it feels like they're so forgetful and it feels like, you know, God is so obviously faithful and has so obviously set them apart and protected them and saved them time after time. And they just keep being disobedient and kind of crazy and ungrateful. But I think it's, it's true. It's exactly how they were, but also it's true of us when you really think about it, like the number of times that we, like our hearts get away from looking to God. Yeah. And then we ask for forgiveness and he comes back and he's there like 
to answer our prayers. And so I think that it's part of it is to kind of illustrate the bigger picture of how much God really does love us and how much his grace is extended like over our whole lifetime of ups and downs, Mm -hmm. just like it was for the Israelites. And like you were saying that ultimately Jesus was the only answer for this because like I heard Tim Keller basically raising the question of like, the question that is raised in Judges is, is God's love and is his promise unconditional? Like no matter what we do, he'll keep loving us. Or is it conditional based on obedience? And that question is like kind of left hanging until Jesus answers it once and for all, which is obviously that it's unconditional love Hmm. from God because he came and paid the price and was perfectly obedient so that God could love us perfectly. That's kind of the story of Judges, but we're going to zoom in on Deborah, the only female judge that's recorded in this book. And she also was pretty much the only like good judge. (laughs) A lot of these judges, if you read through here, are not so great and they get kind of progressively worse, but Deborah was awesome. Yeah. So Deborah was sitting in sort of like a judicial position and then Barack was the leader of the army. I love this one line that says, um, she used to sit under the palm of Deborah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if it was already named that and like that's how she got her name or like if they named it that because they're like, that's the palm where Deborah right. sits. But she would sit there and they would come to her and ask, you know, she would settle disputes and that kind of stuff. But um, Barack comes to her and he's asking like what he should do. Mm -hmm. And she said, has the Lord not commanded you go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army (laughs) and meet you by the river with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. So there was like a very specific prophecy. Mm -hmm. And there was something that God had promised he would do. Because I don't know if you caught this at the beginning, but they had been disobedient again. And so they had been given over to the hands of a particularly evil king for like 20 years. And Sisera was the head of this king's army. And he was particularly feared because he had 900 chariots of iron. <laughs> so, Which is, I mean, that is intimidating. Yeah, there's a lot of chariots <laughs> when everyone else is walking. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So Deborah basically says, you're the leader of the army and God has told you this. Like, basically, why haven't you already done it? And he said, okay, I'll go, but only if you go with me. Right. And I don't know if y'all caught this, but she said, I will surely go with you, but the road you're going will not lead to your glory for the Lord will sell Sisera into hand of a woman. And when I first read this story, when I even first suggested that we would do this, I thought she was talking about herself, like that she would get the glory basically for like rising up and going. And she does because she's incredible and she was there and she... Um, kind of like oversaw the whole thing. But actually, you'll see that there's another woman that gets the credit. Well, it's also kind of crazy that, I mean, you said Barack is the head of the military. Yeah. And he won't go without her. I know. <laughs> like, that's crazy. She was cool. I need to know, like, how old was she? What did she look I like? Know. How did she get I into this position? <laughs> I do, too. Um, Okay, so essentially Sisera finds out that 
Barack have gone up to the mountain and I guess are like, you know, preparing to fight them. And so he sends all of his people and his 900 chariots down to this river called Kishon. So that's when Deborah says, okay, this is the time that God has said he'll give them over to you. So I'm going to pick up at verse, the middle of verse 14. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all of his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. Okay, so God sent a rainstorm and Mm -hmm. essentially since all of the 900 iron chariots were sitting there waiting by the river to sort of like cut the people off, but the rain got all the chariots stuck. And so then all it says that all of the people, all of Sisera's army died, which that is a lot of death. It's so crazy. <laughs> I know. And it's also crazy that and God said, this is the day that I'm going right. to hand them over to you. And it happened. <laughs> so yeah. cool. But anyway, so, but Sisera himself got away. It says in verse 17, but Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of, here she is, Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin and the king of Hazor, the house of Heber the Kenite. So technically he like fled to a place where he should be. He would have been sort of safe. Yeah. Yeah. He thought he would be safe. Yeah. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent and she covered him with a rug and he said to her please give me a little water to drink for i'm thirsty so she opened a skin of milk gave him a drink and covered him and he said to her stand at the opening of the tent and if any man comes and asks you is anyone here say no but jael the wife of heber took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and she went softly to him and drove the tent peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went to meet him and said to him, Come in, and I will show you the man whom you're seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with a tent peg in the temple. So, obviously, a lot of violence. It's really, really violent. Super gruesome. It kind of is one of those stories that makes me, like, cringe a little bit. Yeah, and actually, I was listening to Tim Keller talk about the book of Judges in general, and he was like, this whole book is one of those things that's, like, it's none of it's good. It all kind of makes you cringe and feel yuck, but it points ahead to our need for Jesus and how he answers, you know, all of this with his goodness. So, cause yeah, this is like, yuck. And I think this book, uh, the book of judges just gets worse. He was saying that it ends on a really <laughs> terrible note, but Deborah's faithfulness and her strength and her position was incredible. And I love that she said um, the glory will go to a woman. Well, it's cool because she's a she's a judge and a prophet. Yep. So she was able to, to know. prophesy that it would go to a woman. And it did. Like, it is a really... It's one of those stories that for, it definitely is, like, hard to read of the spike going through somebody's head. Like, that is... That's awful. And we would never want that to happen to somebody. But ultimately, it was what led to 
the freedom of God's people from somebody that was oppressing them. And it's wild that it was somebody like by one, it's wild that it uh, was done by a woman. That's like so gruesome. Um, But also kind of cool because it's like they just lived in a war like for 20 years this army had been oppressing them cruelly like Mm -hmm. and everyone was afraid and nobody was strong enough like their army had not been strong enough to kill them or like to overtake them and god basically said i promise like they cried out for help he sent deborah deborah said this is what's gonna happen this is what's what god's gonna do you just need to be faithful and barack Mm -hmm. was hesitant to be faithful and so she went yeah, with he him. Yeah, was nervous. And these two ladies rose up and, like, through partnering with God, did accomplish something huge. Even though, yeah, again, right. it doesn't fit with what we would, like, want to happen to people. But right, looking at it, like, contextually, it's really amazing. And I love this story. I mean, I think it's really amazing to think about Deborah and JL. And the role that they're fulfilling is, like, not what would necessarily be expected of them. Like, Deborah is the only female judge mentioned in the Bible. Maybe there was other ones, but, like, most likely they were all male. And so the fact that, like, she's fulfilling a role that maybe she didn't feel qualified for or, like, but God has called her to it. And like obediently saying, okay, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to serve where you've called me. I feel like that's something we can all resonate with is feeling like, I don't know if I'm enough for this role or like the nervousness of like, is this actually what I'm supposed to do? And just her, her confidence and her willingness to trust the Lord and to say like, this is what he's called me to. And I'm going to like walk in that with confidence is amazing. Actually, I'm looking back at this now and it says that Deborah sent and summoned Barack, the son of whoever. Hmm. So she actually called him to her and says, has God not told you to do this? And he said, I'll go, but only if you go with me. So he probably <laughs> is like, yeah, okay. God told me to do that, but I don't want Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to like, um, paint him in a bad light necessarily. Cause like, that's both, that's our options. We can be like fearful right. to obey, or we can be bold in our obedience and yeah. you can kind of see how it goes because when God's on your side, it's like his victory. Right. But yeah, Barack looked a little pathetic in this one. One thing I liked, this isn't, so the next um, chapter judges chapter five mm-hmm. Barack and Deborah get back and this is this makes me like literally I'm giggling but like they write a song yeah <laughs> they come back from the from the battle and then they write a song together which I think sounds like so funny and cute um the song does not seem like a song to me but there's this one line that I pulled out um, it's chapter five, about halfway through verse seven. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel when new gods were chosen, when war was in the gates. That really stood out to me as a call for us, like for me, for you, Anna, for anyone who's listening. I think there are going to be times when 
there are other people who are fearful to obey. And like God's calling us to rise up as a mother in quotes, in obedience to guide those around us. And so I don't know exactly what it is, like what area in your life right now that Hmm. God's calling you to obey or that he is calling you to stand up and be faithful or that he's calling you to take a risk or have this conversation that you've been needing to have. But I love the picture of I, Deborah Rose, as a mother of Israel and like, in what way are we being called to, just as Jesus called his disciples to like take care of his sheep, yeah. in what way are we being called to mother or to take care of his sheep? And I think that's like a daily thing that we are in obedience, supposed to pay attention. I completely agree. It is so true. And it's such a, I, it's, it's a hard thing to learn, but it's so helpful to hear that, you know? I think that for any of us, like I'm definitely one of these people that is fearful and doesn't like to like have any type of awkward conversations <laughs> or things like that. Like just a reminder that when you trust God and when you are walking hand in hand with what he's calling you to do, you will have the strength that you need. Hmm. This was... A question that kind of popped up through this story for me and this is like a little vulnerable for us to like think about this out loud but I think it's kind of important for all of us to take time to think about this so just like Israel kept falling into these traps of idolatry and they would like fall away from God again and again and again like knowing that that's human nature I'm wondering what comes to mind as the cycle of idolatry, like in your own life? What are the things that you tend to put over God? What are the things that you Hmm. like traps that you fall back into or like, like the grass is greener on the other side kind of things that you start focusing on instead of God or instead of what, you know, you're, you're being called to in your life and it just kind of distracts you. Do you have any thoughts about that? Um, I think for me, Gosh, that's a really good question. There's so many things. Honestly, it reminds me of Caroline's talk from Bama and just thinking about life as a, a dresser. And we tend to put God in a drawer, but really he he is the dresser and everything else is the drawers. Like if you have sport, like if you're in on a field hockey team and that's one drawer and your friends are one drawer and there's all sorts of different your family's one, but like oftentimes what we do is we put God in a drawer instead of allowing God to be a part of all of those parts of our lives. You guys should go listen to her talk. She spoke at Bama and it was really good. Um, anyways, so I think there's so many things in my life that if I'm honest with myself, I end up putting before God. And I think it's really hard to try and, um, yeah, re-situate our lives. And I feel like that's something we can be praying about often. It's like, Lord, would you open my eyes to the areas where I am putting others before you or like prioritizing fashion or prioritize like whatever right. it is, prioritizing our home, prioritizing grades, like putting things before God instead of letting God lead us into the, in those things. Right. Like one thing that I think about 
is just the pace of my schedule. Like yeah. I know for a fact there are a lot of things that I – we all kind of do this. Every day we wake up and we have a priority list of what's the most important thing to get done? What do I really like have to do today? And right. I end up pushing a lot of other – less important and definitely not eternal things to the top of that list. And so I think that's my biggest idol is like feeling productive and in control by controlling that list and by getting things done and by feeling productive Mm -hmm. and then totally missing that like sometimes God's actually calling us off the path. He's like, Mm -hmm. wait, just wait here with me for just a minute. I remember you said something so good. Um, trying to walk upstream a river yeah yeah I feel like sometimes life is like a river (laughs) and we're we're like fighting the like we're trying to get to a certain place and so we're like fighting and trying to walk upstream or even trying to walk downstream when God yeah is actually saying like no pick up your feet and let me carry you let me take you because we're, we're talking about what does obedience look like what does listening for God's voice look like Mm -hmm. and what does it look like to be to be bold in that area. Yeah. There was a church service that I went to recently that I love. Hmm. And and this ties in because essentially the Israelites were in this cycle of like sin, which led them to being in like slavery to someone or something. And that would cause them to cry out for help when it got super bad. And then he would send help. And then they would feel saved and feel better, but then they would decline again. And that cycle would repeat. And something that has stood out to me about how this applies to my own heart and our hearts today is that a lot of times, because we're not living this like crazy pagan lifestyle that like, like the Israelites were living, we're like, well, they were bad. They were real bad. But me... I'm pretty good. Like I went to church. I was nice to all my friends, you know, like I studied, I went to bed early. I didn't even drink that much or like whatever, you know, the thing is that you tell yourself. So we feel a little better about ourselves because we're not in this, like in, in our own mind, we're not in this crazy declining state. Right. But the thing that they said in this sermon was there's like these kind of four steps that are a really good thing to add to your like quiet time. Mm -hmm. This is like a process that's really good to add into your life. Sometimes you have to ask God for conviction. Hmm. So rather than just kind of coasting in the I'm doing pretty good phase, saying to God, like in trust, knowing that he loves you unconditionally, saying, God, would you convict my heart of the things that are against you or that I'm idolizing or that I need to confess? And then when he convicts your heart, number two, so ask for conviction. And then number two, confess your sin. And again, like in trust, this is like a a trust building thing with him and like a, a faith building thing. Because once you confess your sin to him and open your hands and give that to him, number three, you get to receive his grace and mercy because he wants to forgive and he wants to give grace and he loves us. And then number four obey. Cause that's the thing is like when we're convicted, when we confess, when we receive that grace and mercy, like the fourth thing we have to do is obey and like walk with him. But we're never going to be perfect. 
So then we're going to get to that place again where basically the cycle just repeats, like continually asking for conviction, confessing, receiving, and obeying. It's not like fun to ask God, hey, will you show me where I'm kind of off the path? But I heard something this summer that was very, very, very convicting. And I think it's so important to share. If you think about being like in a boat or in an airplane, you can't see like your final destination. So we'll use like a compass and you stay locked in on this certain compass point and then it takes you to exactly where you need to go. But if you get off by like 0.5. Yeah, you end, yeah. You literally end up somewhere else. Yeah, it's wild. It's it's crazy. We can have all the best intentions mm-hmm. and like feel really really like we're walking with God and we're doing our best, but if we're not like asking him to come into our situations and like to like see our heart for real and if we're not like confessing to him and if we're not walking with him and like letting him forgive us and love us then I don't know that we're going to end up where we think we're going to end up if that makes sense like I don't know that we're ever going to feel as close to God as we hope to because we're off just that like 0.5 like we're doing pretty good but with just like partnering with him a little bit more, like you get locked in. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. One tiny degree off. Like sometimes I feel like we can justify decisions by being like, well, it's fine. It's just one little thing. But like one little thing can lead to another little thing and another little thing and another thing. And before you know it, you're like, wow, how did I even get here? Like, how do I, how did I get so far from the Lord and so far from his plans for me? And so I think that is just a good reminder to be like, am I, am I choosing to trust God? Am I walking with him? Am I trusting his plan? I don't know about you, but I'm like, I need to choose to link arms with God in order to like make right decisions. I just, we all, our hearts get deceived by things. We think we know what we want. We think we know where we're headed. And I don't, I just want my firm foundation to be God. So that's all I've got. Did you have anything (laughs) else you wanted to share? Not really. I feel like this is great. So I feel like three takeaways, at least I have from Deborah's story is number one, be obedient. Um, if God is telling you to do something or to go somewhere, listen and yeah, like allow your heart to follow him and, and trust that he's a good God. Um, number two, be courageous. I think sometimes it can feel scary to trust where God is leading and it can, sometimes it's scary where he is leading us, but yeah, trying to be courageous in that and knowing that he is with you, you're never alone. Um, and hopefully just from that promise and that truth, we can muster up some courage. And the last one is stand true. Deborah was so, she was so courageous. She was so so obedient, but her faith also didn't waver. Like even in the midst of standing in front of a huge army, she was faithful. Um, and it's kind of like what you were saying, like, we don't always know the road ahead. We don't always know exactly what's coming down the road, but if we get one degree off, like we could end up in a completely different place. So try and trying to stand true to what we believe and what the Lord has put on your heart and know, oops, just sneezed. Um, <laughs> but knowing that God will guide you and lead you along the way. So those are our three yep. takeaways. Be obedient, be courageous, and stand true. 
Yep. And we'll be back next week with a gratitude episode. So check back in for that and hope you'll have a great week. Bye. See ya.